0: So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8, and we'll dig back into it again, so you get getting it twice. The Word of God reads, But God, our favorite word, chapter 2, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen, it is the gift of God. And I want to say this, um, again, this is part two of the mercy of God and the Jesus treatment. Uh, You To really understand what we're doing today, you need to look at part one, which we did last week, where we really focused on the mercy of God. Today we'll focus heavily on us being seated with Him in heavenly places. So that'll be the major thought today. But what what I, uh, just a heads up, or something I want to say is, for me and Pastor Brian, we get to spend literally hours into a text, right? We get to spend hours into a concept, really thinking on it, allowing the Lord to just work all in our spirit, But guess what? You guys only get 40 minutes with me preaching. Um, That's it. You get 40 minutes of this text. And so, again, I've had time to really chew on the concept. So when I'm preaching, I'm seeing joy because I've been spending so much time on the concept. And it's coming alive to me. But for for some of us here, if you ever really spent time in this text, some of the stuff may just fly right, right over your head or it may you may miss it and so the, the point I'm making is you really want to go back and just really chew on this text, chew on the scriptures, really think on it, um, especially what we're going to talk about today because we're going to deal with some pretty lofty topics that are really hard to really just get, to grab to wrap your mind around so when you hear the scriptures just like I use the example of the um, uh, what did I use, HelloFresh but nobody uses HelloFresh here do you guys use HelloFresh? You know what it is, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the food delivery packaging services. And so just like HelloFresh, you get all these ingredients. They give you everything, all the food, all the sauces. They give you the right measurement. But yet you got to go back home and cook that thing and make it right. Same thing with the scriptures. We're trying to give you the fruits and nuts and the bolts explaining it, but you need to go back home and cook it. You need to go back home and chew on it. You need to go back home and think on it and meditate on it and memorize the word of God so that can really dwell in you richly. So just a a heads up. So again, as I mentioned earlier, we're gonna dig right back into the Jesus treatment. Now, last week we looked at the Jesus treatment and the Jesus treatment, or the reason we call it the Jesus treatment in in this book of Ephesians is, is because God the Father is treating us, the believer, like God the Son. And, and we've seen that because we, we've seen how Jesus in chapter 1. Matter of fact, I'm going to just take this down. We've seen this how, in, how Jesus in chapter 1. I'm going to just read it for you just to refresh your memory. Chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 19. I just want to show you this first. And the word of God reads, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ, when he what? Raised Christ up, raised him up from the dead. What did he do next? Step two. He seated him at his right hand um, in the heavenly places. So he seated at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age of the one to come. 22, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head There's a key word we're talking about our discussion today and gave him as head over all things, not some things, but over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we are getting the Jesus treatment because just like God, the father raised up Jesus and made him alive. Paul showed us in verses five through seven that we, too, have been made alive with Christ, that we, too, have been raised with Christ. So that's that's part of the Jesus treatment. And just like the father put all things in subjection under his feet, we will see later on that the God keeps blessing us as well. Even after he has made us alive, even after he has raised us, even after he has seated us, God continues to to bless us. But again, I want to go back to this point about Governor Newsom. As we discussed today, Christ has full authority in the church. He's head over all things to the church. Uh, Newsom is not. He's head over all things to the state, if you will, state of California. So now we're back to our text. Now, prior to Christ, prior to Christ being seated at the right hand of the Father, Prior to him doing that, Christ was where was he at, at before that? He was on Earth, right? He was he was on Earth. Matter of fact, he was what you would call um, what's the term I want to use here? He was on earth as a servant king, That's, that's the term I would use. Because Christ, when he was on earth, he was Israel's Messiah, right? He was the Messiah, the promised Messiah while he was on earth. And he was also that seed from the loins of David who would reign on his throne forever. So he was, he was this servant king. He was king, he was the Messiah. He would come from David's loin, but he was also a servant. We know he was a servant because Philippians 2.7 tells us that Christ took on the form of a bond servant. So even though he was the Messiah, even though he was king, he was also a servant, servant of his father. So he took on the form of a bond servant. And, and while being a servant king, guess what? When he was a servant king here on this earth, at his first advent the kingdom of darkness guess what it was really allowed to come at him the kingdom of darkness was allowed to mess with him if you will the kingdom of the, while he was a servant king the the kingdom of darkness was allowed to slap him right cuz Christ got slapped while he was on earth as a servant king. While he was on earth as a servant king, he went to a Roman flogging where he was beaten and whipped. So the kingdom of God got to do that. Um, uh, he, got, he was spit on while he was a servant king here on earth. He was uh, He was cursed at in his face while he was a servant king here on earth. Um, he, humanly speaking, he was allowed to get tired, right? While he was here on earth, um, while he was a servant king, while he was a servant king, he was allowed to get sleepy. He was allowed to get hungry. But now that he is seated, but now that he is seated at the right hand of the father, now that he is seated, all of those things are now in subjection to him. Guess what? The kingdom of darkness can do him violence no more. Christ is done spilling his blood. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the bully that was picked, being, uh, the, the short and stubby kid that was getting picked on by the bully. But then the summer came around and that short and stubby kid grew up to 6'5 and he became jacked like Brother Anthony over here. And, and so then when the bully came around this time, the, the little kid was like, no, nah, we're not having that no more. No more are you bullying me uh, around. And see, that is what it is with Christ in the kingdom of darkness. While Jesus was on earth, the Satan or the kingdom of darkness was allowed to do something to him. But now nothing. MC Hammer said, you can't touch this, right? Well, Satan, guess what? Satan, you can't touch him now, right? So Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. All things are in subjection to him. And just like we, he was made alive and resurrected. Guess what? Paul teaches us that the Father has also made us alive and resurrected us. And guess what? Also seated us, the believer, in heavenly places with him. So now that's just laying the groundwork here. Now understand this, and this is kind of hard because we're kind of all over here, right? So I'm trying to turn and and, and manage. Now we're about to embark on a major concept, one that Christians really kind of have different opinions on. And that is that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. There are many different Christians that understand this text differently. So uh, I just want to let you know that with this text that we're looking at, you, you, you want to show some grace because there's different believers who love Jesus, who, who see this verse about us being seated in heavenly places differently. So just kind of throwing that out there in case you see other people or hear other people saying something differently. So. Paul says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, this word seated in the Greek, guess what? It's in an aorist tense. So we're just going to get a little bit nerdy for a quick second. It's in the aorist tense. And so what that means is that the aorist tense means that something has already occurred at some point in the past. And it's continuing without duration, without an end, without a specific duration end. So... In a sense when he says that we have we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places he's basically saying this has already happened we have already been seated with Christ in the heavenly places we're already seated with him where he is now some of you will say but brother Jerome no, how am I seated with Christ in the heavenly places when right now I am seated here in pastor Brian and sisters Debbie's backyard that is true but before we consider this blessing of us being seated in heavenly places, we first have to look at the blessings that we find in this book of Ephesians to really understand what Paul is talking about here. So, for example, in chapter 1 of verse 3, Paul says that, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, right, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, right? He says, blessed be the God and Father for that, right? So what do those spiritual blessings, that he said that we are blessed with everyone, what do they look like? They look like the spiritual blessings in the Jesus treatment that we looked at last week. So spiritual blessing in the Jesus treatment, number one, chapter two of Ephesians, verse five, Paul said that we have been made alive with Christ. That is a spiritual blessing because we are in Christ. What has happened to him is now happening to us. So Christ was physically made alive and physically resurrected. And through him, we get a spiritual resurrection. We become spiritually uh, alive. So that is the spiritual blessing that we receive. we are in Christ. Um, The next one Paul says that we have been raised with him or again resurrected with him and one of the great examples of what it means to be raised or resurrected with Christ would be in Romans chapter 6 where we find where we are buried with Christ through baptism and to his death and our old person was crucified on the cross with Christ and that old person died and that's what your baptism represents it is a water grave it's the old you going down You're dying to yourself, and you are being raised by the power of God, and you are now a new creature. That is spiritual blessing number two that we share with with Christ. This is part of the Jesus treatment, right? So that's spiritual blessing number two of the Jesus treatment. And now we get to this third blessing here. Uh, Sister Debbie, the wind blew it away. Let me put it in here. So now we get to spiritual blessing number two, or three, I'm sorry, of the Jesus treatment. The third blessing is that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, if you notice the first two blessings, spiritual blessings or the the blessings of the Jesus treatment were spiritual blessings, meaning that they came to us from the outside. God was doing something apart from us. He came apart from us and made us alive. He came apart from us doing anything and resurrected us and gave us life, excuse me, So what do you think he's pointing to here in this third spiritual blessing about sitting in uh, heavenly places? He's talking about, I would say, spiritually. Spiritually, we are already seated with him in the heavenly places. And just like the kingdom of God and sanctification has a right now and not yet component, right? Our spiritual blessings as well have a right now and not yet component, including to sit with Christ in the heavenly places. There's a not yet and there's a right now component of our seating with Christ. See, one day the kingdom of God will come to this earth and guess what? We will be seated with Christ and guess what? We will reign with Christ as well. See, when Paul says seated here in in the context of Ephesians chapter, in this entire book of Ephesians, particularly with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, when Paul says seated, he says that, that Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father. When he uses the word seated, he's talking about reigning right? He's talking about reigning. And it's not just here in the the book of Ephesians where sitting signifies ruling and reigning or power and authority, but all throughout the scripture, we find the Lord seated seated on a a throne. So for example, in in Daniel 7, Daniel was given this vision, right? And and he looks up and he says this, this is what Daniel says in in Daniel 7, 9. He says, I kept looking up until thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat. See, he, he looked up and he said there were thrones set up and then the Ancient of Days which is God came in and, and took his seat. What, what are thrones for? Again we mentioned earlier thrones are for royalty. Therefore, people in positions are powers of, a, of authority. And so that is who God is. So he says he sees God sitting on his throne in a position of power and authority and ruling. Another place we see God sitting on a throne is in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, which reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, what he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a what? Throne. Again, he's seated on a throne throne it says lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple again the lord is seated on his throne meaning he's reigning this is him having power this is his him ruling and we, we also see this in revelation right chapter four we, we we looked at where the the lord is sitting on his throne he is he is reigning so when when uh so when christ is taken a seat in ephesians one he is being seated as a king that's what's so important he's been seated as a king with all things being in subjection to him which mean that christ reigns and we are spiritually seated with him so that means we are actually spiritually reigning with him we're seating with him as he reigns and one day when he returns that spiritual reality of us seated, seated with him in the heavenly places, us seated with him while he is reigning. One day that spiritual reality will become a reality in the new heavens and the new earth where we will reign with the Lord. We will sit with him. We will reign with him, which is why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter two, verse 11 to 12, he says this, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. We will reign with him. And in past sermons, for example, we, we looked at Jesus in his sermon on the mount, Matthew 5, 5, where he says that the meek will inherit the earth, right? Romans 8, 16 through 17 talks about we inherit things with Christ. We are going to reign with him. That's what it's about in the new heavens and new earth. We're going to reign with him. What was lost in the garden of Eden. Remember when God made Adam and Eve, they were given dominion. They were going to reign. But then what happened? Sin came in and it marred that administration. But in the new heavens and new earth, guess what? Our reign will be restored. What happened with sin and Satan will be no longer. See, that is our future. That is, that is the future that we have to look forward to, to sit with Christ, to reign with him. But again, that is future. But for the right now, we are seated with the one who is reigning right now. We are connected with Christ. Guess what? Where he is, we are as well. Where Christ is, we are as well. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Think about that, believer. You are seated with the one who reigns supremely over all of the universe. We we are seated with the one that Paul says in Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are are seated with him. We are with him as he reigns. He is reigning over all of the universe, and we are with him. And that will become a real reality when Christ returns. I... uh... I love one of the songs that we sing that really speaks to this of where Christ is, we being with him. We sing the song before the throne of God above, right? And and, and there's a part in that song where the songwriter says this. She says, at least it's a she, the version we sing. She says, my name is graven on his hand. My name is written in his heart. Do you know where the songwriter is getting this imagery from? They're getting it from Isaiah 49, verse 14 through 16, where Isaiah says this, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. And then the Lord responds by saying this, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? He says, even these may forget, but I will not forget you. He's talking about Israel's people, right? And then he says, behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. See, Christ will never forget us, brothers and sisters. We are always with him. Where he is, I am. And in this case, he is seated in heavenly places, reigning over the universe. And guess what? You and I, we have been seated with him. So if you really think about this, we have gone from the lowest place We've gone from the lowest of the lowest place, which is spiritual death, to the highest place, which is seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Talking about a promotion. We go from spiritual death, having no life, no, no real consciousness of God, just totally dead of God. And now we go to having a true and real relationship to where now we are seated with him in the heavenly places. We are now seated with him in the heavenly places where all spiritual blessings flow. That's what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are in the heavenly places, the place where all spiritual blessings flow. We have been seated with him as he reigns there. So, so then what do you mean brothers and sisters that you can't get peace? You are seated in the place where peace originates. Then, What do you mean you can't find joy? You are seated in the place where joy originates. What do you mean you can't find life? You are seated in the place where life originates. What do you mean you can't find satisfaction? You are seated in the place where satisfaction originates. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to go get it. It's yours. Peace is yours. Joy is yours. They come from the heavenly places where all spiritual blessings flow. Those are spiritual blessings. You have all of those at your access because you are in Christ. They're yours. So so go get them, brothers and sisters. Go get them. God, let's bless you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ the heavenly places where your Lord rules and you're seated with him which means you have access you have the password you can get peace you can get joy you're seated with your Lord in the heavenly places where they originate where they come from you have that we're seated where he reigns that we have access you must understand that brothers and sisters it's yours The world is looking for it, they're looking for it in everything possible, they're looking for it in bottles and girls and and drugs and entertainment, they're looking for peace of the soul, but you have access, You, you have access to the place where all those spiritual blessings, those blessings that the world so wants, that they're looking everywhere for it again, you have access right now. Because we sit with him who reigns there, where all of these spiritual blessings flow. But God does not stop there with seating us with Christ in the heavenly places where he reigns. God does not stop there why because God is the God of more. <laughs> Meaning that he is always doing more. <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians 3:20 that now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5:41 whoever forces you to go 1 mile to go Two with him. So Jesus teaches us to do more. God is the God of more. He always goes beyond what we ask or beyond what we think. And in the case of Ephesians seven, he's gonna do more because after he has made us alive, after he has raised us with Christ, after he has seated us in the heavenly places, look what Ephesians seven says, Ephesians seven says this, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, the biggest word in Ephesians chapter 2, the biggest word in Ephesians chapter 2 is is in verse 4 where he says, but God, right? Because but God, verse 4, is in the middle between death and life. Because in the the first three verses, Ephesians chapter 2 through verse 3, it's all death. And then you go to verse 4, he says, but God. And after that, all life comes. So that but God is right in the middle between death and life. That's the most important verse in all of our verse, not verse, but the most important word in the second chapter of Ephesians. But guess what? You know what the second biggest word in the second chapter of Ephesians is? It's at the beginning of verse seven. So that, so that, the Greek word henna, so that. In English, that's our word henna, it's so that, which means, see, this so that is a conjunction It's pointing to or it's identifying the purpose of the previous statement. So that, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. So that, so see this, so that is also like saying in order to, same thing he has made us alive, he has raised us with Christ, he has seated us in heavenly places, so that in the ages to come, he might bless us with the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness to us who are in Christ Jesus. Do you you see that? Do you see how it's leading you to the purpose? In order to, so that in the ages to come, that he's gonna even do more? That he's he's gonna bless us more? See, that's why verse seven should make you lose your mind. God has already done and he's already made us alive. You were, you were enslaved to sin. You were enslaved to the prince of the power of the air and he came and he gave you eyesight to where you can see Jesus and now repent from your sin and he has raised you up and made you a new creature and now you are seated with him in the heavenly places. God, you can stop there. We're pretty good, right? That, that, that's pretty good right there. But no, verse, verse 7 says, so that in order to, here's some more believers, here's some more saints, that, so that I can even show you more kindness in the, in the ages to come. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. What type of love is that? What type of, this is God, y'all. Th- this is the Lord. This is love. This is real love. Remember, he, Paul says, but God being rich in mercy and his great love for which he loved us, this is love that even after I've done all of this for you, I'm still pouring. I'm still pouring. I'm still doing more. I'm still showing my kindness and grace to you. I'm still loving you. Even though I've saved you, I've made you alive, I've given you my Holy Spirit, I'm still going to do more to you. Like, what type of love is this? It should result in you praising him for the glory of his grace. This is amazing. Now, what might this kindness look like, though, in particular? Here, here's one thought that I, that I have. Jesus says in John 17, to know God is eternal life. Paraphrase, right? To know God is eternal life. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, by the Holy Spirit, for we, are now, see, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part but then I will know fully just as I also have been known fully. So in the future or the ages to come. This kindness could look like God opened our eyes to give us even greater access to him. See, if, if God is the greatest, most valuable treasure, which he is the greatest act of kindness would him be, would be him giving us more of himself to see him as he is that we just constantly forever in eternity grow in our understanding of him, our eyes being enlightened, we're constantly just going deeper and deeper and deeper in God, that would be the greatest act of his kindness that he gives us more of himself. See, do you realize this brothers and sisters in the book of Revelations, right? In Revelation chapter seven, nine to 17, when, when the people, when John sees this vision of people from every tribe, nation and tongue, going nuts and just worshiping the Lord, Do you realize that those people in that vision that he's seeing, those people are seeing God with pure eyes, Mm -hmm. that they are not in their flesh. See, these are the ones that made it through the tribulation and they are now in the presence of God and they're seeing him as he is. See that glass darkly is removed and they now have this clear view of the Lord and because they are mesmerized by what they see and what he has done, they worship him. Uh, Revelation says day and night Brothers and sisters, this is what the riches in his mercy and his great love and kindness has done for you. Guess what? They have set you up one day to experience Revelation seven live, right? You know, we like saying this movie or this event is live. You're gonna be able to experience Revelation seven live that's what the grace and mercy of God has done to you, it's going to allow you to experience Revelation 7 live. This is live streaming. This is no buffering. It is you right there being in his presence, seeing him as he is, flesh removed, seeing the pureness and the holiness of God and falling on your face and worshiping him. This is what the riches of his mercy and his love has set you up to see. You know how, like, wealthy people, for example, wealthy people, when they pass away and they give all their inheritance to their kid, and we say to that kid, Boy, your parents have really set you up, right? You know, how we say that. Well, the Lord's mercy and love has really set us up well. It has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places to experience the full glory of God in the time to come. That's beautiful. That's love. That's grace. And Paul makes it a point to tell us that, in verse eight, that this grace and mercy that you're gonna receive, guess what, or this, this vision that you're gonna receive, he makes it a point to, to tell us that you didn't earn it. <laughs> he said it, it is a work of grace. See, after explaining this, this great love for which God has shown us, which, this great love for which God has shown the Ephesians through Paul, he tells them it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It is by grace See the Ephesians were saved by grace. We are saved by grace. We have no role in it. You had no place in it. Guess what brothers and sisters? You contributed nothing. Paul makes it a point twice to say that. He says it in verse 5, by grace you have been saved. And he goes back to 8 and says it again, by grace you have been saved. He wants you to get it through your head that it is not you. It is not your efforts, It is not your work. And it's not because God looked down in history and said, oh, they're going to love me. They're going to serve me. No, that would be works, which would contradict what Paul is saying. It is all by grace. It's, it's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that he has saved you and turned your gaze from that thing that would never satisfy you. For the Ephesians, that thing that would never satisfy them where they had their gaze incorrectly on was Artemis, right? That was the God of the Ephesians. It was Artemis. They had their their gaze on that. For some of us, we had our gaze on worshiping ourselves. maybe. We had our gaze on worshiping money. We had our our gaze on worshiping fame. fame. We, We had our gaze on worshiping what? Success. But by the grace of God, he opened your eyes and turned you to the all-satisfying God, and he saved you. And guess what? He didn't just save you from the wrath of God. He saved you from spending your time on earthly pursuits. Believe it, do you realize that if it was not for the grace of God, you right now would still be walking according to the world and just wasting your gifts and wasting your talents and just living like everybody else. But grace and mercy found you, and now you are really beginning to live. Now you really have life. Grace and mercy came to you. Man, I'm really sweating out here, Pastor Brian. Grace and mercy came to you. I found you. And I know some will say, but brother Jerome, didn't I at least contribute faith? Like did I contribute to something? Do you not know that your faith is a gift? The first spiritual blessing of the Jesus treatment said that God made us alive with what? Christ, when you were dead in your sins, you had no real faith. It was when the Lord, by his grace and his mercy, made you alive with Christ, that faith was infused in you so you can now see Christ and know Christ. So even the faith that you have was a gift of God. So there's nothing at all you can boast in. He had to go and make you alive, to open your eyes. See, brothers and sisters, there is nothing for us to boast about. There's nothing you can contribute and say, oh, I did this well, this is why the Lord loved me, and this is why the Lord chose me, no. He said, it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Let me just go to 9. He says, not as a result of work. So work is contrasted with faith. There is no faith. I mean, uh, there is no no works that you can do to save yourself. It was all by an act of his grace. And Paul is wanting the Ephesians to get it to their head. And I want you to understand it as well. Praise God for his grace that you are saved, that you are new right now. It was God's mercy and it was His love towards you. That's why you're alive right now. That's why you're loving Jesus right now. That's why you have your Bible in your hand right now. It it wasn't you, it was all His work of making you alive, resurrecting you, putting His spirit inside of you. It is all of grace. Why you are saved, why you have salvation, my brothers and sisters. So think on these things. You sit with Him in the heavenly places, that's going to become a real reality. You reigning with the Lord, new heavens, new earth, back to Eden, sin no more, dominion, forever being with our Lord, falling at his feet. God's love and mercy has set you up well. And because of that, you ought to praise him, you ought to serve him, you ought to love him, you ought to live for him. As we read in Titus, let your life adorn the gospel. Show people Lazarus, that's all we say, Go show them Lazarus. Who was Lazarus, right? Lazarus was the one who Jesus raised from the dead, right? And remember what happened after he was raised from the dead? Lazarus went to that party and they wanted to kill him too. Because Lazarus was proof that Jesus was real. We gotta go and show the world Lazarus. Go show a person who has been raised from the dead, who now loves Jesus, who now lives differently, who now walks differently, who talks differently. Why? Because we've been raised. We have become new creatures. We've been raised with Christ. So go show the world Lazarus. Go adorn the gospel with your life as you live. Glorify God. Let us pray, brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are seated with you in the heavenly places. We look forward to seeing you, our Lord, face to face, falling at your feet, beholding your glory. God, I pray that you allow this word, your word, to stay on our hearts and my brothers and sisters. Lord, allow them to just chew on this. Oh God, I say chew on it. May the flavors hit their heart and their mind. The flavors of your gospel, your goodness who we are now in you, Lord. We are royalty because you are royalty and we sit with you. We thank you, Lord, for taking us from the pit, Lord God, to bringing us to the highest place, your presence. We glorify your name, Lord God. Help us to live out this gospel, to live out your truth in the world so that others may see your light, your goodness. This is our prayer, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.